Since Mission Impossible 5, Road Nation, was still in theaters at the time of this recording, the first few minutes will be spoiler-free. You can find the show notes for this episode at areyoujustwatching.com slash 51. Are you just watching episode 51, Mission Impossible 5, Rogue Nation? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm E. Franklin. And I'm Tim Martin. And our mission, if you choose to accept it, is to apply the Christian worldview to an interesting spy thriller where nothing is really possible. (laughs) I believe it's nothing is impossible. Oh! Is that what it is? Yeah, well, yeah, it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, <laughs> well, if um, those of you, I, I, I know we've already said it, but we're going to say it again. We, we will talk for a little bit about the movie um, without spoiling it because it's still in theaters. And so, you know, just hear what we have to say about the movie for a few minutes. Yeah. We'll do the non-spoiler, and then we'll jump into all our complaints and joys and overwhelming (laughs) happiness. Overwhelming happiness, yes. Um, So you were the one that suggested this movie. What did you think of it? Well, I have a softness in my heart for um, ensemble heist movies, Mm -hmm. you know, like Ocean's Eleven and and Mission Impossible. Plus, I watched the original Mission Impossible uh, back in the 70s. Mm Mm-hmm. So, even though I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise, (laughs) was that understated enough? Hmm. Um, uh, I really, uh, I enjoyed the movie. Um, It's, it really is, uh, it's not mindless entertainment, but it's sort of like a thinking man's mindless entertainment. (laughs) Yeah. Um, because you can just you can turn on the conspiracy switch in your head and just let your mind wander along all the levels of conspiracy conspiracy that they throw at you in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't trust anybody. I mean, it's like if if it's if it's a main character, you can't trust him unless he's one of the team. Even then, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I wanted to say something, but this is a spoiler free yeah, section, so I won't. Free. Yeah. As I was saying before we start recording, I haven't actually seen most of the Mission Impossible movies. I saw the first one that came out, and uh, I don't think I've seen any of the rest of them coming up to this movie. So I'm, I might be just a little bit out of the loop as the continuing story. Um, but it is, um, it was, it was fun. I always liked those kind of movies, so I wasn't adverse to watching it. And it's a little different than anything that we've really talked about on Are You Just Watching? So this is kind of fun. Out of curiosity, have you ever watched this series with Peter Graves? No, I never did see this series. Though, I, from what I understand, hearing other people talk, um, it, it seems like this this um, the movie version of Mission Impossible is more centered around a single single individual, single agent um, than the Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. Than the than the TV show was, and that's actually a lot, a lot of of what people hold against the movie is that it was supposed yeah. to be more of a team thing and and less of a this is a super agent that can always win somehow it's yesterday i was reading through a, a couple of the reviews and uh 
One said that it was a, a mix of a star vehicle and an ensemble uh, where Tom Cruise was the first among equals. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that. Uh, that line, it, it really, it really summed up the movie pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of with you. Tom Cruise is not my favorite actor, but he, I mean, he pulls it off. The only thing that really bugs me is I just really feel like he's too short and he always depicts these big personality <laughs> roles and he's just this short little guy. And, um, I, I guess that's his way of getting over his shortness. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to like offend anybody who's short, but that is, you know, for him, for a leading spy, like a spy leading man, action adventure, you know, it just, he doesn't seem to fit that role to me. And he's getting a little old for it too, don't you think? <laughs> I, you know, he might be getting old for it, but there's that scene near the beginning of the movie where he's uh, strapped up shirtless, you know, getting ready to get tortured. Right. And... Boy, I hope that at least some of that muscle was computer generated. <laughs> yeah. Because I know Tom Cruise has got to be like five years older uh-huh. than me. Yeah. Well, well, you know, Sean Connery looked pretty fit. Um, I mean, and, and he's a great deal older. So. Yes. But Sean Connery is James Bond. Yes. Yes. It's, uh, I, I wanted to mention that, uh, there were a number of nice homages in this to homages, excuse me, <laughs> for, for all you French speakers, um, a number of nice homages to the original series. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed was uh, there's a series of scenes where they do what ifs. Um, and it's it starts with um, Benji, Simon Pegg's character, saying, OK, so I wear a mask. Right. I remember that scene. You know, and it makes me think, because you said you liked Ocean's Eleven. I think Ocean's Eleven did a lot of that, too. You know, where they would talk you through something and show it to you while they're talking through. Like, yeah. what if we do this? And Leverage, the TV show Leverage was really, that they did that in pretty much every episode. I always loved that show. I love, I, I liked Leverage. It broke my Timothy Hutton. Yeah, it broke my heart when they canceled it. And they gave you that little teaser of a, that we're going to do a spinoff and then they didn't do it. And I was like... They wrapped it pretty well. Yeah, they did wrap it pretty well. But I was yeah. it still broke my heart because it was one of my favorite shows. <laughs> the biggest homage, of course, was the music. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially in the opening scene, mm-hmm. it had the, uh, uh, the Peter Gunn theme, mm-hmm. which is written by Henry Mancini. Yeah. Um, yeah the, one of my all-time favorite composers. Yeah. Now, the, the, the soundtrack for this one was done by uh, Joe Kramer. But he wrapped the original theme into the soundtrack very well. Yeah, and yeah, he did. I, I, um, <laughs> I. To be honest, I listened to the soundtrack, the whole thing on YouTube, and really the the intro theme and the uh, end credits theme is <laughs> actually the two best themes on the track. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if it, and the nice thing about the end credits is that they they give you little pieces of each of the main themes in the end credits mm-hmm. so that you can kind of like review the entire soundtrack in one six minute piece, <laughs> and you don't have to get the rest of the soundtracks. <laughs> oh, I've 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 got Google. Uh... Uh, what's it? Google Play uh, Music. Google Music, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it allows me to listen to anything. Yeah. Anything they have in their library, which is pretty extensive. Well, let's play a little bit of that theme so people can hear it.
that's so much fun. You know, the other thing I really liked about that soundtrack was that the way he worked the the Tirando, um or Tirandot or however you say that uh, opera uh, theme into the uh, female agents theme. Um, yeah, uh, and it, and it repeated. The first time you heard it was when they were actually at the opera, which I won't give you any spoilers. But the opera does appear as a significant portion in this movie, and uh, and then ever so after every. Every time that that character's on the scene, you kind of hear just a little bit of that opera, like the most famous um, aria from that opera played into her theme. And I really like that. It's, we'll definitely talk more about that when we get to the spoiler <laughs> yeah. section, because I I actually went and looked up the opera because I wasn't familiar mm-hmm. with it and read the synopsis and everything, tried to figure out how it all fit in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it's that significant that they make such, such a big deal about it. Um, both before it happens and even pulling it into the theme, it makes you think it's it's pretty important to the movie. Now, from a standpoint of family entertainment, this movie was PG thirteen. Um, it had a, uh, I mean, it's it's a spy thriller, so there's lots of violence. You can't get away from that. Um, uh, <laughs> fairly toned down for for PG thirteen. I mean, it's. I agree. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, there's definitely some people killed and some major fights, but um, some hinting at torture. But it's not uh, not something you can't sit through. Yeah, there there was almost uh, there was very little gore. Yeah, there were accidents, but it was all like um, not quite stormtrooper shooting. But uh, you know, it, it, the guy would get shot. And he would fall back, but you wouldn't see any blood splatter or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. Um, there was no sexual content. There was a, a f- uh, some periods of undress. Um, so if you're sensitive to seeing a little more of the woman's body than you might see uh, on a beach, more than you would. I, it would probably be about what you would see on a beach. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was at the beach this weekend, and uh, I think you see a lot more on the beach nowadays. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Might be a little worse on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there's the, the female agent. You see her um, fairly unclothed, um, but it was kind of bikini-style unclothed. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're... It's bareback. Bareback, yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, there's no sexual content. Uh, the language wasn't, there was a few bad words, but it wasn't like in your face bad. So, um, the lack of sexual content was refreshing for a spy yeah. thing. <laughs> they didn't take time for a bed scene, which is when, when, yes. when the world is coming to an end and, and the agents are like fighting for their lives, you don't really have time for a bed scene. So, um, <laughs> unlike Bond, who always seems to have time. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he, he fits it in somewhere. So, yeah, if you want to know more about the family friendliness, of course, we do recommend you go to PluggedIn.com and check out their review. Um, I did check beforehand, and they do have one. So Mm -hmm. They do indeed. Um, Always. They always have one. Uh, Anything else you want to say that's spoiler-free? The only other comment that I had written down was that it was a, a nice, solid mix of action and exposition. Uh, you know, it's not like one of the Marvel movies where um, it's just the action starts five minutes in or five seconds into the film and doesn't let up until the after the ending set credits. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this one paced it really well. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's paced really well for the type of movie it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it it definitely it, it's like all of the spy thrillers. It starts with that hair raising little vignette at the beginning that um, has nothing to, really to do with the rest of the story. Though I guess in some ways it did a little bit, but not. Re- I mean, it wasn't major. And then you get right into the action. So that is for yeah. There was one other thing that, that, that I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it okay. bugged me. Eight previews. Oh, yeah, there were a lot of previews. Lasting 23 minutes. And it was a long movie anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, at the end of the last preview, I I was standing up. Okay, let's go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I got out of the movie and looked at, looked at the time, I was really shocked because it was a long movie and there were a ton of trailers at the beginning. It's And, you know, I used to rush to the theater to make sure I saw all the previews. But by five or six, I'm going like, um, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm here to see a movie. <laughs> yeah, I guess they were really trying to hit hit um, the audience that was coming for that movie. And, you know, the weird thing is, is I don't think it's been showing that long when I went to see it, but it was already re- relegated to like the, the tiniest theater at my place. So I was really, really? surprised. Yeah, it was like in the, huh. the back corner of the theater. And I was like... <laughs> They're ashamed of it. Yeah, they must have been. I was really surprised. It's like it's all the way back here. Um, so who who knows? Maybe it's just not getting the best reviews and getting shunted through the system really quick. Maybe it'll be out of the theater by the time we get this posted. So go out and buy the DVD now. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, well, I think we'll just go ahead and call an end to the spoiler free section so we can actually start talking about the movie because we don't want to spend too long. Let's do it. Insert the klaxon horn here. Yeah. Oh, I don't have a klaxon horn. Oh, oh, darn it. And mine's in the shop, so. Yeah, yeah we'll just have to say, stop it here, come back. Um, <laughs> Go watch the movie if you haven't. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, we should have kind of said this before, but, you know, I hadn't seen the other movies, but I got into it just fine. I mean, it's like, I I don't think you really have need to know what went on beforehand, um, oh, I agree. The, the, the movie kind of stood alone, even though it was obvious there was story that went ahead of it. It stood alone, which was yeah. nice. And they did that pretty well. Now that I think about it, because uh, the whole syndicate tie-in, mm-hmm. yeah, they, uh, or rather, not even a tie-in. The, the, it was the main theme of the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can um. neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> <clears throat> no comment no comment yes no comment i can neither confirm nor, nor deny that i heard that line yes yes without the distinct or implicit approval of the secretary yes whatever though i couldn't always just got the little first little bit but i have to say as much as i don't really care for tom cruise i love jeremy rayner oh renner how you say his name <clears throat> yeah hawkeye yeah yeah i I have trouble seeing him as anything else now. Uh, I've seen him in several movies other than than uh, the Marvel Comics stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what all I've seen him in, but I really like him. He's he's a very versatile actor, and I think he's an up and comer. I think we'll see, we'll continue to see a lot of him. And I'm trying to think what else he's been in. Well, he was in Hansel and Gretel, The Witch Hunters, The Born Legacy. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Well, he, he was the he was the main guy in Born Legacy. That's where I first saw him. I think that was the like the the fourth Born movie. Yeah. Well, no, I guess I saw him in Avengers before Born Legacy because they came out the same year. Anyway, I like him. <laughs> yeah, 
He's he's got a uh, a vibe, yeah, of uh, of an everyman. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he's just I I just like him. He he's kind of he kind of grows on you the more you see him. So I hope <laughs> hope to see more movies with him in it because I really liked him. And he he played. I love the role he played in this movie too. So I'm gonna have to go back and see yeah. his protocol now because he was in that one too. Yeah, he he really did. Uh, he sort of balanced out Tom Cruise's uh, presence, mm-hmm. screen presence, and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had the best line in the movie. Do you know what my favorite line in the movie was? No. It's a high speed chase. You just had to get the four by four. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> when that line came up, I was like, I gotta write that down. That's my favorite line. It was only you not know, it wasn't even like halfway through the movie. <laughs> I wrote down one quote from the movie. And it was, there are no allies in statecraft, only common interests. Hmm. And I wrote it down convinced that it was like Winston Churchill or something, but I couldn't find any uh, attribution for it. Hmm. Well, I guess your attribution is Mission Impossible. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's by a really bad character, not a bad character, but an annoying character. Well, did you have anything specific you wanted to talk about first? Yeah, um, I wanted to uh, to just briefly touch on the idea of heist movies in general and mm-hmm. how they center around teamwork. And uh, I just wanted to to you know point out how that ties into a combination of uh, of spiritual gifts and how a church how the church body comes together. Um, everybody everybody throws in um, their talents and. Uh, become a gestalt, a gestalt of, uh, you know, the sum is greater than the whole. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Um, people with the gift for evangelism work with people who have gift for missions and people who have gift for prayer and mm-hmm. people who have gift for teaching um, and all t- working all together. Um they're able to accomplish the impossible. And that's really what the impossible mission force is all about. Uh, it's the right team members. Right. And uh, in the, in the series, uh, in the series, it was, there was a lot more balance between uh, which team members would be critical to a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Tom Cruise has like three more zeros on his paycheck than anybody else in the movie, so <laughs> he gets the most screen yeah. time. Yeah, and he he seems to spend a lot of his time rescuing the rest of the the uh, team. So yeah, um, yeah, poor Simon Pegg. Yeah, there was what was it the line near the end? Try and find it here in my notes where they were they were talking to the they had the prime minister and the CIA guy was describing what kind of agent they were up against. That he was the living manifestation of destiny. That was the way, the way he described him. Um, I thought that was funny. Is that you know that they've they almost make him sound like he's God or something. Yeah, I thought he was laying it on a little bit thick. Just a little bit thick. I was like, okay, and you don't like the guy, but yet you're saying he's impossible to beat and all the stuff. So. 
Well, does he not like the guy or does he like the guy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, your your the- your comment about you know the, the having all of the gifts together. One of the things I caught in this movie when I was thinking about it afterwards, and this is regarding the syndicate, was one of the things they kept bringing up about the syndicate was that all of the members were supposed to be dead, and they were like popping oh. up. And so I was like, well, that's kind of interesting because as Christians, our our old selves are supposed to be dead and to be gain membership into the kingdom of God, and. <laughs> Yeah, so we're so we're being born again. Uh, the verse for that is Romans six six. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So that was it, it's kind of a bad parallel because the syndicate's bad guys. But at the same time, I thought that was interesting that they were all they had yeah. all died to their previous identities so that they could become part of the syndicate. It's 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 still a good tie in. Yeah, it it, it it's a good parallel. I like it. Um, so there were two main themes that I wanted to touch on. Uh, one was the use of stereotypes and symbolism. Mm-hmm. And the other one was, um, how the movie portrays the idea of the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I go into either one of them, did you have any specific themes you wanted to touch on? Um, I would just wanted to do a little bit of a wordplay with impossible things being impossible. <laughs> Um, I thought that was very interesting that, um, one of the, there was a, it was actually a line where they were talking about going in to get the, uh, what they thought was a, the black box data, um, from this impossible location. And it's the part where, um, Benji thinks about putting on his mask that you talked about earlier. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the, the, the female agent, Ilsa said that it was an impossible, that she'd already been, you know, trying to work it out and it was impossible. And so they go through all this thing and, and Benji's like, well, um, Ethan can do all this stuff. It doesn't sound that impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought different definitions of yeah, impossible different definitions of impossible it was so funny is that he was he was saying, well, Ethan can do this. And Ethan's sitting there giving him this look like I can, you know, and I just thought that that was interesting that um, Benji had this utmost faith that Ethan could do just about anything. <laughs> In, yeah. including hold his breath for however, however many minutes it was supposed to be. Five minutes. Uh, Come on. Yeah. Anybody yeah. can do that. Anybody can do that. Um, in scripture, impossible is always referred to as something that God can do. And I think that mm-hmm. um, there, there's, when I looked it up, just did a word search for impossible, there were basically three um, stories that came up um, in referenced um several different references but you know how the the gospel gospels kind of repeat repeat each other so um the first one is in luke 137 where the angel tells um mary for nothing will be impossible with god and he's talking about um actually at this stage he's talking about elizabeth being pregnant and um and then telling her that she's going to give birth so just the the very um idea of a virgin birth um is impossible by human standards. It truly is impossible by human standards, but um, by God's standards, nothing's impossible. And then um, one of the other situations uh, was when uh, Jesus was talking about how impossible it is uh, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Um, That that's that whole uh, uh, camel through a needle analogy that he gives. Um, 
And then the disciples were, well, then how can anybody be saved? And, and Jesus looks at them and says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Um, and that's in, uh, three of the, um, that's in three of the gospels. It's Matthew nineteen twenty six, Luke eighteen twenty seven, and Mark ten twenty seven. Yeah, the three synoptic gospels. Yeah, the three synoptic gospels. And then the last one um, that I found was Matthew seventeen twenty. Um, yeah, my favorite. This is my favorite. One. Yeah, um, that that's the one where um, they they tried to cast out a demon. And they couldn't do it. And they asked him, why couldn't we do it? And he says, you can't do it because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And so your your comments that you made earlier about the team being, you know, like Mm -hmm. the body of Christ, I think it's important that you put... um, who is the true head of that body because without that head you could have the greatest team in the world, but there's going to be things that are still for man to be that, that would be impossible, but God can make them possible. Yeah. The the gifts are a direct result of the spirit. Mm -hmm. They are from this, from the spirit, they're from God. (laughs) So, right now in, in the context of this movie, the things they do are really quite impossible. And I, only in Hollywood could you, (laughs) could you make them Hollywood or Disney, man? Uh, you know, it, 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 stereotypes and symbolism. I was thinking um, because in the news uh, when we're recording this, you know, there's a, the whole thing of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement <laughs> and yeah. uh, the Ferguson anniversary was recent mm-hmm. uh, just uh, a week ago or so or was it this week or last week? It was last week. Yeah, this week was Robin um, Williams' anniversary of his. Oh, of that his explains suicide. why I've been seeing all those Facebook posts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll give everybody a context for when we recorded this. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's. Uh, I was thinking about how the use of stereotypes in uh, real life is very uh, non-politically correct, mm-hmm. particularly nowadays. Um, uh, they talk about police using. Um, uh, profiling and uh, how it's such a bad thing um, and whether or not you agree with that it, it that's certainly the way that it's presented in in uh, many media sources and uh, I was comparing that to how in Hollywood they are so reliant on uh, stereotypes because it's sort of like um it's sort of like the build a bear workshop. Well, it's a quick characterization. It allows you to snap to a character really fast without a lot of background and building. Exactly. Um, right. I mean, yeah, it's that, important that, that's for exactly storytelling. It. Yeah. They give you they give you the shell of the teddy bear and then you put in all the stuffing. <laughs> well, it's necessary because you you have to cut a story down to a certain period of, and the more characters do you have, the the more time it takes to build each one of them. So you yep. have to rely on stereotypes especially for minor characters. Otherwise, you don't have the time to build them. Yeah. In a 2-hour maximum 2 and a half hour movie, you just don't have the time to build a huge cast of characters. There was one guy um in the opera house. Mm-hmm. He was uh, a bad guy portraying a cop. <laughs> and he had such an Aryan face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, high pronounced cheekbones and blue eyes and blonde hair. And I was thinking, this could be a guy out of a World War II Nazi movie. <laughs> yep. 
And uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they're like, okay, we need somebody who looks evil. All right, you, come here. <laughs> Wouldn't it be neat um, to see them like, like throw the all the stereotypes on their ear and see and you know get people to assume things based on the stereotype and then turn it around at the last minute <laughs> there's got to be a movie out there that does does that and then has a nice big reveal at the end you would hope yeah um, I, I, nothing's coming to mind but i'm sure you, it's been done <laughs> there's nothing new it, under the sun <laughs> Okay, that's very ecclesiastical. <laughs> um, it's storytellers rely on it, and and uh, even Jesus used stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it, for that matter, not only did Jesus use stereotypes in his parables, but uh, the New Testament uses stereotypes uh, in how it tells a story. I mean, it makes a big deal out of Matthew having been a tax collector. Mm-hmm. When we when we read it, we understand that he was the lowest of the low. He was on the social ladder. You know, he was one step above leprosy, and that was only if you didn't like the well, leper. That, and that even before Matthew, there's the shepherds that come come to the the first the first yeah, people to exactly. see Jesus born are shepherds, and and talking about the lowest of the low, they really were the lowest of the low. Um, Tax collectors were hated, but shepherds were the, like the lowest. Yeah, of of the I guess the caste system. You know, they don't. They really didn't have a caste system, but that was like the lowest occupation that you could have. Yeah, yeah. It's and they come into town, and everybody like uh, they've been drinking too much, I guess. But uh, I was I was looking for what uh, God's word says about stereotypes. You know, if it supports the whole idea that stereotypes are bad, and it doesn't actually. Um, do that specifically, but it does remind us that uh, God is free to put all of it on its ear. Uh, in Samuel sixteen six and seven, and just a little bit of setup. Samuel is looking for the new king, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says uh, when they came, he looked at Elab and and Eliab, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And you know, it's really interesting. The backstory on that was the first king that Samuel had picked out um, was Saul. Mm -hmm. And he was head and shoulders above everybody and a very comely man, according to scripture. And so he turned out to be a really bad king. And... It, it, it's one of the, I think it was a lesson that God was teaching Samuel yeah. in, in some ways because and providing for us. Right, right. Um, that you can't just always judge by um, a person's appearance. You have to judge by um, their heart and, and well, basically their heart and their walk with the Lord. Yeah. Where they are with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I wanted to touch on a little bit of the symbolism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had commented earlier that um the opera uh, Turandot, which means daughter of Turin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went and I, I read up on it to see, you know, what it was all about. And I completely missed what you caught there was that the um, Ilsa's theme was actually from the opera. Mm-hmm. Yes. I completely missed it. And I'm going through the plot of the opera looking, okay, how, how, do, how would this apply to the story of uh 
uh, I almost said ghost protocol, yeah. of Rogue Nation. And uh, it was never there. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I was coming into this podcast thinking, ah, they missed this great possibility for symbolism here. And you had caught it where I completely missed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that I uh, expected to find uh, more meaning to mm-hmm. was I looked up the origin of the word heist, thinking that it would, you know, go back to the Latin of uh, of teamwork or – uh, you know, something really profound. Mm-hmm. Turns out, uh-uh. no, yeah, no, it's from uh, the mid uh, 19th century and it's a version of the word hoist. <laughs> well, you know, I don't really see this as a heist movie, it's more of a spy thriller for me. There's a difference. Um, I, I know that they do steal something in this movie, but that's really not the the central concept of it it's it's more of the super spy beats the yeah. super or spy bad guys I, I i think it's sort of like a hybrid of the heist and spy thriller i mean when i think of spy thriller i think of james bond and jason Bourne. yeah well this is that too <laughs> but when i think of heist i think of oceans 11 yeah um, see i wouldn't have thought I wouldn't uh, have... what was that magic now you see yeah. me this this was not about criminals, you know, the, the happy Robin Hood criminals, which is kind of what those were about. Um, yeah. This is this yeah. is definitely super spy with international, um, you know, bad guys and lots of politics. And so, yeah, I, I, I would just dis- <laughs> lots. Of I politics. would disagree with you that this is a heist movie. It's more of a spy thriller. Well, that's all right. We'll just yeah. agree that I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> you know, just like I with everyone <laughs> okay we'll agree to disagree all right so the other the other thing that i wanted to uh to talk about and this is one that i've uh given a lot of thought to before and it turns out that uh this was a very common point of discussion during the revolutionary war and the lead-up to it and that was the inherent conflict between God's instructions uh, to uh, be subject to the rulers, mm-hmm. the rulers that He put over you, yeah, I see and that. and the uh, the idea of revolution, right? And uh, it been, was their, their group's been disbanded. They're supposed to be not doing anything anymore, but yeah, that Ethan exactly. Hunt's just gone rogue and doing his own thing, and. And it's, you know, there was a line in the movie, this kind of ties into what you're talking about, what we do, what we have to for our friends. And Mm -hmm. it it kind of, when I wrote that, that line down, that was, um, I think both Tom Cruise and, and Jeremy Renner's characters, um, used that line at some point or another. Um, well, it was because they had to go after Benji at one point, but I think that, you know, speaking at it from a spy thriller point of view, these guys are supposed to be spies for our country Mm -hmm. and and i kind of was thinking you know when when you live a life that's entirely surrounded by deception you know you're always deceiving people as to who you are and you can't trust people and and your whole life is is just inundated with deception both on your part and the part of people around you it's like how do you have a 
a underlying true duty to anything or anyone because you really can't trust anyone. You can't trust um, the people that are over you. I'm probably pulling you off your point, but um, no, that's all right. No, I, I just it, it kind of struck me that you know this team, the Mission Impossible team, um, they trust each other, and that's the only people they trust, and they don't. You almost get the feeling in Rogue Nation that they don't really have any loyalty to the U.S. either. It's just to their team. I didn't get that feeling. I, I didn't really give any thought to it either. But I think it's it, not necessarily saying that they would work against the U.S., even though they're U.S. agents. I think it's more mm-hmm. that in the long run, they don't really care. It's like what the point you were trying to make about authority is that um, they're not willing to accept a, a, you know, a cease and desist order. Um, they're, they're just going to keep right on doing what they do. Um, yeah. and it's, and it's because their loyalty is not necessarily, um, to the authority of the United States, but to the greater cause of exactly of, of what they think the United States is. And that is like a personal opinion. And then they put their teamwork and their friends even above that. It, it really comes down to where their anchor is. Right. And, uh, and, you know, it, it comes down to, uh, a form of idolatry when it comes to, uh, matters of faith. Mm-hmm. It's, do you place, um, what the government is saying above what God specifically says? If you do, then, you know, you've elevated governmental instruction above, yeah. to, uh, uh a, a level of idolatry above God, right? Uh, placing it before God, mm-hmm. and uh, and even though in uh, in First Peter two and in Romans thirteen, there's no doubt that we are to obey our, um, we're to obey the people that God has put in charge of us. Um, even uh, Peter. Uh, demonstrates um, uh, this one's a little bit long but uh, let me uh, from Acts 5 and when we had brought them they set them before the council because they had uh, uh, real quick they had brought uh, Peter and some of the uh, some of the disciples in uh, for preaching when they were told not to preach mm-hmm uh, when they brought them in, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood on, upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Mm-hmm. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And what I really liked here was a couple verses later, uh, one of the uh, one of the teachers who's on this, uh, this council named, uh, see if I can pronounce it here, Gamaliel, mm-hmm. a teacher of the law, <clears throat> when they're talking about what to do with Peter and the apostles, he says, so in this case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Mm-hmm. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. 
Sounds like good advice to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in the movie, I was just looking through my notes. There was a there was a line, and I think it was actually Ilsa that may have said it when she was uh, talking to uh, uh, Ethan in the in, in the public area right where, before Benji was taken. Um, she's trying to convince him um, to just let it all go and walk away from it. And I yeah. think this is her line. She said, uh, we only think we're fighting for the right side because we choose to do it. And I think that in in the shades of gray that spies work in, they have to really believe in the side that they're fighting on. And especially when you're a double agent like Ilsa was in, in this movie where she's she's uh, playing on both sides because she's been ordered to. And it, I, I think the, the shades of gray get really murky after a while. Um, yeah, no kidding. Especially it, when they essentially hang her out to dry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's kind of scary when you think about it too, is that, you know, both Ethan and her had been hung out to dry by their respective governments and, uh, and yet they were still trying to make choices for what they considered were the right sides. And, and I think that as Christians, uh, we know what the right side is. There's, there's no, um, there's no shades of gray there. Um, yep. and I, and I think that because of that, it makes it so that we can stand more firm on that foundation, regardless of what, um, what can come against us, um, what, or what we can face because of it. And, you know, dis- despite the fact that we have such indisputable word, <laughs> yeah, there are so many people out there mm-hmm. who just are like, well, you know, it doesn't really apply to society today. Or it's it's okay. Well, I I better not. <laughs> yeah, we could get really political, especially with what's going on in the news recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we did that in the last episode, so we're going to try not to do it this one. Exactly. <laughs> scratch um, that. Reverse it. Sc- scratch that. Reverse it. Um, it's interesting because even on the same light, the bad guy Solomon Lane, Solomon Lane. Yeah, Solomon Lane. Um, uh, Ethan at one point tells him that he. He was kind of like telling him that you had a crisis of faith, um, that human lives uh, don't matter to you anymore. They get to the point where the human lives don't matter to you anymore. And I thought that was interesting that he, that even the bad guy is defined in, in the context of having a crisis of faith because he started out as a British agent that went bad. And a lot yep. of the syndicate were agents for other countries that went bad as well. And um, And Ethan describes that as having a crisis of faith. And... Um, I think that really fits well into what we're trying to say here about um, who, who, where your foundation is, what side you choose. Um, exactly. And, 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 you know, we can each have crisis of faith, but with all, God, all things are, are possible. And I think that that's kind of the neat reminder of, of uh, you know, the apostles asking Jesus, how can any of us be saved? And, and God does it. He, it's not anything we do. If, if it were <laughs> reliant on our, our um, humble abilities, we would never a- achieve salvation because it's what God did and what God does in us. And, and, yeah. and he's capable of the impossible because it really is impossible <laughs> otherwise. Uh, Barna, Barna Group did a uh, uh, release a study recently where one of the questions was um, whether or not you contribute to your own salvation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was astounded at the higher percentages of people who say, yeah, I do. 
Yeah, I'm essentially a good person. A lot of people think they are essentially a good person. And I think it's our culture that has that really doesn't hammer home the uh, effects of sin on our lives. I think that it's a lot of it's our culture to blame. But you know what? Underlying all that, the church is to blame that we've we've quit preaching sin um, Mm -hmm. and 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 personal responsibility that's that's the it's all feel good it's all feel good and it's all someone else's fault it's never i mean even when we come down to the like i just did it i just blame the society (laughs) (laughs) we we always try to find ways to point fingers that point away from us because we don't want to take blame or responsibility for the things that we do wrong in our own lives um when when kids are violent we say it's because of all the video violent movies and video games and when and we don't look at the lack of parenting and and the involvement of adults and teaching them the way to behave and all this other stuff i mean there's always ways that we try to pass the blame i mean that's that's biblical all the way back to eve and adam yeah so the the woman that you gave the, wo- the woman made me eat it <laughs> and the woman says the the serpent made or offered it to me so yeah uh, we, we're very very good at passing blame and I think that that's essentially uh, where the sin starts on is not taking personal responsibility for sin in our lives and so we will say if somebody asks us oh yeah we're essentially good people because it obviously can't be my fault it always it it comes down to is your anchor in the truth. Mm-hmm. If it's not in the truth, then it's not or really an, anchored. An ultimate truth, because we have a lot of wishy-washy people nowadays who don't believe in an absolute truth. And so if, if uh, you don't have an absolute truth to believe in, then you're on su- shifting sand. It's amazing. What's the point? I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, now, <clears throat> granted, I'm not saying that everybody who doesn't ha- uh, doesn't subscribe to an absolute truth will become an evil mastermind spy. <laughs> no, but they will definitely have crisis of faith. <laughs> yeah, that they will. <laughs> well, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Because that does no. it for me. Yeah, that was that was it for me. It, uh, it, it I really enjoyed uh, the mindless. Or nearly mindless, the uh, turning off portions of my brain that that uh, allowed me to enjoy it. Gotta gotta um, just love pointless car chases. Yeah. Uh, oh man, <laughs> car chases. <laughs> the scene in the alley, and and it's in the trailer too. So it's where they would they turn the car sideways. Oh, uh, uh, Simon Pegg was on. Um, Fallon. Uh-huh. And they were he was you know, it was when they were promoting the movie. He was talking about the filming of that scene. Mm-hmm. And uh I don't know if you noticed, but product placement for uh BMW was very heavy in this movie. <laughs> very heavy. I, I saw some I can't remember who it was that told me that they that they went to see the movie and their their child immediately said, I want that um older child said, I want that car that you could just put your hand on the <laughs> The side window and it identifies you and lets you in. I want one of them too. Um, it's Simon Pegg was talking about filming that scene, and uh, and it turns out that um, you know, it takes days to get all the elements of that scene together Mm -hmm. when they're doing the filming. And Tom Cruise was messing with Simon Pegg while they were filming it and kept turning on Simon Pegg's seat heater. (laughs) And, you know, they're in 100 degree weather already. (laughs) 
Simon apparently didn't know there was a sea eater. <laughs> and while they're doing the scene where they spin in the in that little alley, because you know Tom Cruise is known for doing all his own driving and all mm-hmm. his own stuff. Right. Um, Simon Pegg says, "If you watch really closely, you can see me reach over and hit the hit the uh, seat heater button for Tom Cruise." <laughs> All right, now we have to go see the movie again. <laughs> uh, it's I I, I do want to say Ving Rhames seems like a really uh, nice guy uh, personally. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he seems to really have a, a good head on his shoulders morally. Um, he had a TV series that I learned a little bit about him for a number of years ago, but he hasn't done a lot. As a matter of fact, when he showed up in this movie, I, my first thought was, I thought he had died. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and Simon Pegg is one of my favorite, uh, comic reliefs. Mm -hmm. He plays the, he plays the comic foil wonderfully. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Benji's. A- he does a good. He does a good job in the uh, in the lead roles too. But they're always they've always been comic roles. Yeah, Benji was was great. I really I, he definitely. If he wasn't in there to lighten the mood, the movie wouldn't work. It, it's one of those. Yeah, the cast has to work together kind of things. I couldn't get past his name though, Benji Dunn. <laughs> ben Dunn. Ben Dunn. Yeah, he was a little bit of a rehash of a character, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's been done. He's been done a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just overall, the the movie worked. It was enjoyable. And it didn't feel as long as it was. There's a lot of movies that are, are really long that they feel long. And you yeah. halfway through, you, you try to find your watch, um, which nowadays <laughs> is really hard because nobody wears them. But um, you're like, yeah, everybody checks it? their phone in the middle of the yeah. dark movie theater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the flash everybody with the light on their phone. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it didn't feel long. I've, I've been in movies that yeah. felt long and this one didn't. I was really surprised at the time when I finally got my phone out and turned it back on and looked at the time. I was like, oh my goodness, that went a lot <laughs> later than I was expecting. But yeah, it, it was a good movie. And um, I, I don't see those movies usually now in the theaters. I usually wait till they come out on DVD. So it was, it was kind of fun yeah. to go go sit through it well, i'm glad i'm glad we got away from the the sci-fi for a movie or two yeah yeah um it, but that's because i love sci-fi <laughs> yeah we both do so we'll probably end up you know going back that direction well um we've had some really nice interaction going on on the uh, facebook page so we encourage yeah. um uh, people to come in and discuss stuff on the facebook but it was uh something i posted on uh, the amount of swear words in Hollywood movies and how it's increased. Oh um, yeah, that was <laughs> that was intense. Yes. Um, so if you didn't see that, uh, make sure you go check out our Facebook page. It was a, a it was actually a commercial um, for a I guess it's a, a filter or something that you can watch movies through. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it, they they did like the history of of bad words in Hollywood. It's a really good little video and it got some discussion going. I was very happy to see some of our listeners um, talking about that. That was a good find. Um, That's kind of the interaction that we'd like to have on Facebook. So if uh, you want to just do look up, are you just watching on Facebook and uh, like us there? We'll be posting when we have new episodes out and make sure you subscribe to our podcast it, and iTunes or what, however you get your podcast feeds. It's it's mm-hmm. important because we are not really a speci- we don't release our episodes at a specific time. So if you are just subscribed, they'll come out 
um, into your feed when they're available and you don't have to remember to look for them, which is, we kind of, you know, we, we record these and then sometimes it takes us a while to get them actually posted. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, we both work full-time jobs mm-hmm. and it, and I know a lot of podcasters out there do that. And um, still manage to get weekly episodes out. I don't know how they do that. Uh, yeah. I, man. <laughs> It's We're just one of our uh, one of our sister podcasts, Level Seven. Uh-huh. They do their weekly one, and I'm like, "Where in the world do they come up with the time for this?" <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, people can also comment on our show notes, um, which again are at areyoujustwatching.com/slash fifty one for this episode. You can call us and leave a voicemail at nine zero three two three one two 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 one, or you can email us at feedback at areyoujustwatching.com, and you can email us audio files. We would really like to get some feedback that we could do a feedback episode. That would be so wonderful. Um, so far, we don't we have zip in the feedback. Um, department so let us know what you think and you know what suggest a movie we won't guarantee we'll do it because we both have to like it and be able to see it yep um but if uh and it can't be rated and it R. can't be rated r yeah um but if you would like to suggest a movie we would definitely consider it and put it on our uh list of possibilities when we're in the mood to watch something we hope that you enjoyed this episode and if you have any thoughts about any of the Mission Impossible movies, uh, because we probably won't do any more reviews of the older ones, at least. Um, yeah. Um, so, but we'll do six when it comes out. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like those Rocky movies, right? They just keep coming out. Yeah. Hey, wasn't it in the last one? Rocky was uh, the it gone first full circle. Rocky's the trainer. <laughs> I've never actually seen any of the Rocky movies. I just remember um, Airplane. Oh, you never saw the original one? No, I just remember ah! Airplane 2, um, where they were showing like the, the future. Um, did you ever see the Airplane movies, the, the comedy? Oh, yes. Uh, Airplane oh, yeah, 2, yeah. there was like, in the background, there was like a um, a poster for the latest Rocky movie, and it was like Rocky 31 or something yeah. like that. And he's like this old man. <laughs> the old man. <laughs> Baggy shorts. <laughs> Um, I remember that. But yeah, if uh, if you have any comments about any of the Mission Impossible movies, feel, feel free to um, put them where we can see them and we can start a discussion. Because obviously we just discussed what we could um, find uh, in a, one quick viewing in a movie, dark movie theater where we can't read our notes. <laughs> oh, my handwriting so horrible. Yeah, you know what? I don't write very much. So when I write these notes, I usually have to come back even if, if I been writing them in the light where i can see I, they'd probably still be hard to read i tried to bring my laptop in once to type and they said uh-uh. <laughs> all right well um until next time i'm eve franklin i'm tim martin and thanks for listening and don't just watch Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.mx.